Good morning. I didn't even have to wait for everybody to get quiet. We are glad that you are here today. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Um, we want to take a moment and, and welcome all of you, and we want to especially welcome any guests or visitors that we may have with us this morning. We are very glad that you are here. Um, several of our staff and, and Pastor Keith will be uh, in the back and around the sanctuary after service. If you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to get to know you and welcome you further to our church and our community. We are glad that you are here. As we begin our worship this morning, I'm going to briefly read this call to worship as we prepare our hearts for worship. O gracious and most merciful God, you have given us the rich and precious jewel of your holy word. Assist us with your spirit that it may be written in our hearts to our everlasting comfort, to reform us, to renew us according to your own image, to build us up into the perfect building of Christ, and to increase us in all heavenly virtues. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank <laughs> you. 
Our opening hymn this morning is number 482, Here I Am, Lord, number 482. If you are able, please stand and join in singing, number 482. Stella, would you like to be my helper today? Will you hold on to those for just a minute? I want to talk to you about something today that we all know about. Preacher Key's going to talk about making a covenant. But you know, we already made a covenant with God. It says in Jesus, in Genesis, excuse me, 9, 16, 
When the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. I will remember that my covenant will last forever. It is a covenant between me and every kind of living creature on earth. Did you know the rainbow was a covenant? The rainbow is a promise, and that's what a covenant is. It's a covenant or a promise that we make to somebody else sometimes, and sometimes we make it with God. And God made a covenant with Noah when we had a flood, and God cleaned the earth of everything that was on it. But then when the ark came down and settled on the ground, God made a promise that he would never, ever do that again. And he put the rainbow in the sky to make that promise. And I have a rainbow for you today. And at the end of the rainbow, we always see clouds. And I know we just had St. Patrick's Day and somebody told me, but at the bottom of the rainbow would be the leprechaun in the box, the kettle of gold. But we have clouds, God's clouds. And there's one particular color that I want you to remember today, and that's yellow. Yellow is God's perfect light. It never fades. And do you know where God's perfect light is? It's in your heart, and most importantly, it's on your face. And when you smile every day at your friends, like Will's doing right now, or your mom and your dad or your teachers, you are sharing that light that's in your heart. And you are sharing that promise that God makes to you every day that he's going to take care of you and that you're going to be special. So remember that the next time you see a rainbow, and we saw one on the playground the other Wednesday night, that it's a promise that God makes to you that he'll always take care of you. Can we do that? I know we can. And I want to remind you, next Saturday morning, bring your Easter baskets, little ones, and we're going to have an Easter egg hunt out on this side of the church. And we're going to have a story, and we're going to have lunch. So bring your basket, and come on, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. It is a beautiful day and an indication that the seasons are changing. Thank you, Lord, for the sun and for the warmth. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you for these children. They are precious in our eyes and in yours too. We thank you for this church and what grace and love it provides for these children. Thank you, Lord, for your son and for the season that we're entering. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, Stella, can you give everybody a rainbow? Can you hand out a rainbow to everybody? Our next hymn is number 269, We All Are One in Mission, number 269. Would you please stand and join in singing if you are able, 269.
I have the opportunity to speak just briefly about a mission activity that, that some people in our church have been involved in. You'll see in your uh, bulletin this little insert. If this has to do with a program that Cecilia Beck uh, is heading up in Shelby. Uh, I think most of you probably know that uh, Ms. Beck is a CBF missionary who's uh, headquartered in Shelby, and among her projects is a homework club. And I believe Catherine Hamrick, uh, Shirley Bridges, Linda Bryson, uh, Diane Rayburn, the pastor, Ellen and I have uh, participated in this. And basically what this we are doing is one, one night a month, we go over to Aldersgate United Methodist Church to work with children uh, who are underprivileged, primarily from uh, Graham Elementary, and I think there are a few from Township Number Three School. We help them with homework and and hope, hopefully teaching them a, a few social skills and that sort of thing. We're not the only church that's doing this, so it's not just one hour a month or so that they're getting. There are several different churches who are doing it on other nights. This, uh, if you look at this page, on the, back, on the back side is this little fellow in a striped shirt. His name is Demetrius. He and I are partners. And you can't help but love this guy. He, he's a first grader at Graham. He is sharp as a tack. You cannot pull anything over on him. If you're not ready, you're in trouble. He represents the good things this is happening, this happening here. Uh, we're not creating miracles or anything of that nature. We're just helping some children who need help. They need help academically, but they also need to be taught a few, few things uh, socially. Ms. Beck is doing a wonderful job with this. Uh, and we, we go in on, on Monday night and we prepare, have a meal for them. And then we spend an hour to an hour and a half actually working with them. There are in this congregation a lot of teachers. It is not a requirement that you be a teacher. I'm the perfect example of that. If you have the time, give some thought to doing this. You'll get a lot out of it. I, the first time I went, I went with a lot of hesitation. Catherine could tell you, I wasn't at all thrilled about this idea. It's something my wife got involved with and therefore I have to do it. Uh, you know how that works. It's worth every minute you give to them. So think about that. I think we have a little video about this, if I'm not mistaken. This city's always been a close-knit community where you know your neighbors. My mother brought me and my brother back here in 1970, and I've been here ever since. I'm a bread merchandiser. Mike's bread ministry has been really great for Grace in Maine. Food ministry has been part of what we do from the beginning. Uh, we believe that relationships are built around the table. The first time I met Josh, I was going to church, and he came to a dinner we had, and he was talking to us about their mission kind of caught my attention. So I put his number in my cell phone, and at one point, we happened to have a lot of extra hamburger buns, and I met him at First Baptist Church and gave them to him. That started the relationship. I was at Walmart working, and a lady named Joanne from Grace of Maine came up to me and said, Mike, I need some bread. She said, I have three homeless people living with me. And that just really got to me. And each week when I delivered the bread to her house, I would leave the bread and I would leave before anybody came to the door because I didn't know what I was getting into. One day, Blake invited me to come in and help fix lunches. Blake said, you ought to come to worship on a Sunday night. And I did. And I've been with them ever since. Mike is a leader in Grace and Maine. He helps us make decisions about helping keep people in shelter. One time, he offered a bed to somebody, and we found out that the bed that he had offered was his own bed, and that he was sleeping on the floor, 
So he takes radical hospitality even to another level if somebody else needs it. To sit down and have a meal with somebody, to help the marginalized, the less fortunate, that's where the heart of Jesus is, is with the forgotten people of the world. I hope that each of you realizes Cecilia Beck is doing wonderful work in our county. She is reaching the unfortunate, the, the underprivileged. Uh, Ms. Beck is, a, is affiliated with the uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, but she is not paid directly by them. She has had a grant from them, and she uh, basically depends upon the generosity of uh, folks such as you. So uh, we, what she's doing, and, and the, the program, I, the, the little bit I'm doing, and those others I mentioned, it's just a small portion of what she does. But we, we are fortunate because our, our community, just like every community, has people in need. And we need to all be doing what we can to reach out to those folk. We have one little opportunity with, with young children. I hope you'll think about doing that. If you would, join me in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day of life and for the many blessings you continually shower upon us. Thank you for the opportunity to interact with the children of Ms. Beck's home or club. Further, I ask your blessings on all the children as well as Mrs. Beck. Guide each of us as we try to help these wonderful children and help us to realize the great gift we are being given. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with, and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Thank you, Jason. Let's be mindful of a few in our congregation that need our fervent prayer in the coming days. One is Jerry Green. He has not received some good news from the doctor and cancer is back and we want to be in special prayer for Jerry and Pat during this season. Also, Reed Murray. Reed Murray spent a few nights in the hospital this last week due to a fall. He is now at home and uh, is, would appreciate our prayers. Also, John Cannon spent a few nights at, uh, in Charlotte, and we are grateful that John is with us this morning uh, and is on the right path. So, uh, John, we're glad you're with us. Where's John at? He's back there. Okay. We're glad you're with us, John. Uh, I thank, uh, offer, want to offer thanks for your prayers for my family this week and in the passing of my dad's uh, one of my dad's younger brothers, his name was Billy, and many of you have expressed sympathy and I am grateful for that and we have felt your prayers and thoughts um, for our family. Join me in prayer this morning. God, what a beautiful morning this has been, not only outside but in this place today. Lord, as we have sung congregationally, as we have worshiped through the bells, through prayers, through scripture reading, Father, we're grateful for your spirit in this place this morning. Father, we pray that you would stir our hearts and our minds and help us to be receptive to what you would have to teach us, to reveal to us today. Lord, if uh, uh, for those who may need encouragement today, Father, I ask that you would encourage them, that they would hear that word from you today. Lord, for those that need direction, for those who are seeking discernment, I pray today, Lord, that they would receive that direction Maybe the message would be through your written word, through your spoken word, or through a song. But Lord, speak to each one as they need to be spoken to today. Lord, for those of us that need to be challenged, we pray that you would challenge us in appropriate ways. And Father, help us when we leave this place to all say it's good to have been in your house. We lift up these whose names we've mentioned, Father, many going through very difficult times right now. Father, we pray especially for Jerry in this regard that you would walk with him through this very difficult season. And if it be your will that you would bring healing to his body. We thank you for Reed and for John and ask for your blessings on their lives. And we, Lord, we can think of many others today that are on the prayer list or that maybe go unmentioned that are on our hearts and our minds. Father, we give to you the service, uh, the remainder, the, the singing, the preaching. We pray, Lord, that you would have your will in each of our hearts and each of our lives. We pray for these whose Roger have mentioned, Cecilia Beck, and Lord, we know of other missionaries here in our homeland, Lord, that are serving you, uh, many of, the, of which in very difficult circumstances. And we pray that you would be a God of provision and protection for these missionaries, and that, Lord, that you would bless each of them with fruitful ministries. Help us to know that we can play a part in the greater work of your kingdom through our gifts and through our prayers. Lord, we're also mindful today of our men and women in uniform, both here locally and throughout our country and around the world who serve to protect and defend and for justice. Lord, we pray for provision and protection for these, and we pray for wisdom for those in places of authority, that they would look to you for guidance and direction. Lord, forgive us of our sins today and lead us each to walk closer in our walk with you. Move within us and have your way and your will in our hearts and in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir and Candy and Dick and Josh and Cheryl. I think, that, I think I got everybody. And thank you for the bells earlier. What a wonderful service. I feel like last, last week it was wonderful again. I got up and we can just go home now, but we may could say that again. But uh, I have a sermon ready and uh, I feel that the Lord wants me to preach it. But uh, I'm glad you're here today. People have looked at the sermon title this morning, Marriage Vows. And I've, I tell you, I can't repeat everything that I've been hearing already about my sermon title. I've been getting some comments. Um, mainly from the female persuasion, um, about wondering where I'm going to go with this. Uh, one was from a, a ladies' class that I visited, and then I had some other comments as I was walking around visiting with you before church this morning about things that I might be saying in my sermon. And I said, well, I'm not going that direction. Um, but uh, let me ask you a question. Are you ready for some good news this morning? I've asked you that a lot lately, and it seems like we need to hear that good news when we come to church on Sunday mornings very clearly and very boldly. And I hope and trust that God will allow me to deliver that in that way each Sunday. Last week, we looked at a very familiar passage. We looked at this passage in Exodus about the Ten Commandments that many of you are familiar with. It's both in Exodus 20, and we find it in other places in our scripture as well. And we talked about the difference between a contract and a covenant. And we talked about the fact that we live and can relate more with a contract world than a covenant world. We know what it's like to buy a home, many do, and buy a car or sign on the dotted line. That's something that many of us can relate to if we have lived any length of time at all in our adulthood. Uh, And if you, I didn't think about this last week, but in many ways I should have said that the sermon today uh, would have been a little bit of a part two from where we were at last week. And in many sense, last week we could have ended like many, some of your TV shows to be continued. And so we find ourselves here once a day. But let me summarize again quickly um, uh, where we were at last week. Uh, Fortunately, I said, you know, with God, we didn't sign up for a contract. And we can be thankful that our relationship with him is not based on contract, but is based on covenant. Uh, Despite the fact that we have messed up on our end, God continues to love us. He continues to walk with us. He continues to lead us and guide us through all of our shortcomings. From the beginning, God's agreement or if we want to say God's business plan with us has been rooted in, not in contract, but in covenant. And the covenant comes with the word everlasting. And that's something that we need to hear in a world today where everything is temporary. Covenant is unbreakable love where God keeps his promises despite again our turning away from him. God made a covenant to be bound together with us. God made a covenant to be faithful to us again despite our imperfections and failings. Well today, We are in Jeremiah. We spent some time in the men's study this morning in Isaiah, and I shared with someone beside me that we're going to be looking at Jeremiah in the service today. So the men that were earlier, we're going to get the taste or the message of two prophets this morning. Jeremiah is one of my favorite Old Testament prophets. The message and the story of Jeremiah intrigues me. This is a man that was called to preach judgment, to preach God's message, God's word to the nation of Judah, and he did so faithfully for over 42 years and nobody listened to a word he had to say. And as a result of that, Babylon came in and took him over and took many away to exile. And Jeremiah yet was faithful to the calling that God had placed on his life. Apart from Isaiah, Jeremiah is considered one of the greatest of the Hebrew prophets. Jesus and Paul accepted certain ideas from Jeremiah and we can read of these in the New Testament. Jeremiah's calling had many similarities to Moses. And I want you to look back with me. For those of you, grab your Bible and turn to Jeremiah 1. Some of you may were there earlier, but uh, I don't have this on the screen. But in Jeremiah 1, we see some similarities to the call of Moses. When Jeremiah was called, he says in verse 6, Behold, I do not know how to speak. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? To what we know of Moses. And then he says, Because I am a youth. Not only do I not know how to talk, but I'm too young. And so God, why are you calling me? But later in verse 10, we get a summary, if you will, of the entire book of Jeremiah. And this summary contains more negative things than it does positive things. But don't worry, we're going to get to the good news. But in verse 10 of chapter 1, he's telling Jeremiah, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up one negative, to break down two negatives, to destroy three, and to overthrow four. That's not looking good so far. It's a summary of the whole book because it's what we see throughout the whole book. But then we begin to see the light. He says at the end of verse 10, to build and to plant. 
So we've got four negatives, two positives. And as you read through and study not only the person of Jeremiah, but the book and the work of Jeremiah, you begin to see this played out throughout uh, his entire work. But just before today's text, we see reminders again of Jeremiah's calling. You see this, what we just read, you can begin to see in later in, um, in Jeremiah, and you see it in earlier in Jeremiah 31. We started, Jason read wonderfully today, starting at verse 31. But if you look back at verse 28, you see the same message and the same words that we read from Jeremiah 1.10. When the hope or the good news comes in Jeremiah, wow, does it come strong. In Jeremiah, we have numerous examples of how people lost their sight of God and, and went their own way. And we hear strong messages where Jeremiah is calling the people to repent. And we also see incredibly strong messages of hope. Some of you may remember these strong messages of hope that are in the midst of a book that is, is somewhat at times dark. But Jeremiah uh, 18 talks about the potter and the clay and the words of hope that uh, the, 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 the clay was marred in the hands of the potters. And he says, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. And I don't know about you, but that is a word of hope to me. That as we get our lives sometimes a little off track and it's a little marred and it's a little mucky and messy and dirty and confusing at times, I'm grateful that God can take us just as the potter takes the clay and he can mold us and shape us to accomplish his will in our lives. We know of the wonderful verse of hope that's used in churches and many pulpits probably even this morning, but Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Good news in the book of Jeremiah. But the strongest message of hope and good news comes in today's text, verse 31 through 34. A matter of fact, the teaching in these verses represent the single most important message in all of Jeremiah, and I would say represent the greatest teaching of God's covenant in all of the Old Testament. So much so, this passage is referred to in other New Testament texts and is responsible for the distinction which was eventually made between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have an old covenant, and because of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, the blood that was shed on Calvary, we have a new covenant. And Jeremiah, in the midst of all the, you need to repent, you need to repent, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. In, verse, or in chapter 31, beginning at verse 31, he speaks of this new covenant. Jesus spoke of these words, and specifically new covenant. If you remember, each time we celebrate and remember the Lord's Supper and communion, when we, assert, when we uh, quote the words of institution in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, Jesus said, this cup is the what? Is the new covenant in my blood. This passage needs to be one of the more prominent passages that we know in the Old Testament. We think of Psalm 23, we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of other passages in the Old Testament that you could call to, to memory. This passage this morning needs to be one of those passages that we remember about the Old Testament. It has great, great significance. God and Jeremiah know full well the ways in which the Hebrew people had broken the commands of the Lord and so to hear of this new covenant was a game changer in the way that God would relate to his people. It was a game changer in the way that God would relate to his people. So now we get in a little bit to the marriage vows. And it's not so much marriage vows, but here where I'm going here this morning. Many of you, when you were dating, uh, had to have some conversations. And I was talking to a particular Sunday school class this morning, I won't share which one, but they were saying that, well, we knew each other for three weeks. We knew each other for three months and we just, it just, we got married. But one of them was honest saying that our knees were shaking or I was a little nervous about what I was getting into here. Um, but couples I was sharing, and I know Renee and I've had this conversation and many of you may have had this conversation. I call it, and you may call it something else, but a relationship defining conversation. Relationship defining, uh, what would that, RDC, sounds like a medical procedure or something, doesn't it? Uh, relationship defining conversation. And what that means is, as you start dating, you begin to have at some time a per very personal and honest conversation about how, how serious are we 
how, how serious is this relationship? And you begin to talk and then you begin to find out through that relationship, you can kind of back down if you're wanting to be more serious than, than the other one. And anyway, you begin to define the relationship and it's important to define the relationship because you need to know where you're going. Is this moving towards engagement? Or is this just something where we enjoy dating and being together and, and at this stage in our life and we're not that serious? But many of you, when you were dating, most likely had those kinds of conversations. Again, it's important to define the relationship. God is having one of these discussions with Jeremiah here in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord and he is writing a letter to the Hebrew people as they are being disciplined in exile far away from their home in a type of, if you will, time out in Babylon. So he tells the Hebrew people that God wants to have a relationship defining conversation. In a sense, Jeremiah is telling the people, this is how God feels about us right now. As a couple talks about how we feel about one another, God in a sense is communicating with Jeremiah and, and, and Jeremiah to the people, this is how God feels about us right now. And in Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, uh, verse 32, he says, not like the covenant, which I made which, with their fathers in the day, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. We looked at that covenant last week. He says, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. In verse 33, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. Again, this new covenant. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Yahweh is seen here as a husband to the nation, to the people of Israel. God is saying, it's my desire, it's my desire is not just to be friends, but to deepen things. And my covenant that I am making with you will be a covenant whose codes are not written in stone, but a covenant that is written on hearts. God is taking things to a whole new level in his relationship with Israel, much more personal than with the first covenant. This is the first place where this new covenant is written, uh, is written of and spoken of in the Old Testament, at least where it is defined and explained in this way by Jeremiah. As Jeremiah goes on to explain this commitment, we come to see that God is hopelessly in love with his people. He says, I will put my law again in their inward parts and write it on their hearts and, we'll, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I don't know about you, church, but that is good news. Something interesting is that the word religion comes from the Latin verb religar, I think it's how you say that, which means to connect and to bind together, to connect and to bind together. Church, my faith, your faith, our relationship with God is not about getting ourselves to fall in line with the rules and the regulations and the commandments of our God, but it's with the proper way of doing things. No spouse uh, wants their husband or wife only to act in love, but to be in love. What our, what our covenant with God is about is not getting us again to fall in line, but to fall in love. When we're in love with our spouse, when we're in love with God and his relationship with us and we're desiring to pursue him and to please him, we do not do what he has asked of us out of obligation. We do what he, we do for him because we know that he loves us. And he loves us with a covenant love. He loves us with an everlasting love. Despite the fact that we break our end of the deal all the time, he continues to reach out his arms to us in graciousness, in gracious hospitality, and invite us in and invite us to have relationship with him. It's one thing to uh, follow a set of guidelines. Hopefully you don't feel like that way within your marriage. Uh, but to follow a sense of, I got to do this because I know they want me to do it. And sometimes we do those things, but hopefully we do those things because we know we are in love with the one to whom we have made marriage vows and we want to please them. We want to honor them. And so therefore we naturally fall into this way of showing them what kind of love we have for them as God has done with us. There's three things that this new covenant promises and I'm gonna go through these very quickly this morning. But this new covenant gives us some hope-filled good news promises. First of all, it promises re reconciliation. In verse 31 of Jeremiah 31, he says, the time is coming, declares the Lord, that I will make a new covenant between the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And if you remember, at this time, they were separated. 
And so we have the promise of reconciliation, the bringing together of the separated Israel and Judah and the bringing together of all of God's people into one redeemed race. Jeremiah's promises were fulfilled with the coming of Christ. There is now only one new covenant people of God. And we see in Galatians 3.28 where Paul wrote, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. In a new covenant community, there is no black, no white, no brown, no rich, no poor. There is only one covenant people. The new covenant not only promises reconciliation, it promises regeneration. The transformation of God's people from the inside out Again, it's a new covenant. It's not based on the old laws. Verse 33 says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. It will no longer be written on stone, but it will be written again from the inside, from the inside out. Obedience is still asked, but the new covenant brings the law from the outside to the inside. And it is lived out in our inward character rather than being administered externally. A Christian who has been regenerated by God's spirit knows how to please God. The law written on our hearts helps the Christian to know what to do instantly and instinctively in most cases. A lot of times as we are pursuing Christ and growing in Christ, we don't have to go back and look up what we think God wants us to do. A lot of times we pray for God's will and if we're honest, because of our ongoing relationship with God, we know what his will is for us. We don't have to ask, is it his will for us to do something that's sketchy or to do something that uh, could be perceived wrong? We know that we shouldn't do that because of the ongoing growing relationship that we have with him. So the new covenant promises reconciliation. It promises regeneration to restore us and renew us from the inside out. And the last, the new covenant promises satisfaction for sin. In verse 34, the last half, he says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the best blessing of the new covenant. And it's not only good news, church, it's the best news that we could receive. The old covenant tried to deal with the problem of sin through the sacrifices of the law, but in the new covenant, sin would be dealt with once and for all through the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The price for sin would be paid in full. Jesus is the new covenant spoken of here in Jeremiah. The new covenant is established by his blood shed on the cross for the sins of the world. All the blessings of the new covenant are located in the crucified and risen Christ Jesus. After hearing these promises of the new covenant, what still needs to be done? There is nothing left to do, church, except believe. All the promises of the new covenant are things God himself will undertake. And again, he says, I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I want to close with a story. I read this week of a man who lived near the beach and he enjoyed coming home and smelling the smell of the beach on his kids he would say it's, it's something that you can't just get when you ride by the beach, but it was a smell that he would smell in their hair when he would embrace them after he came home from work. It's a, it's a taste that he would taste when he kissed their cheek. He said, you can't get this by just driving by the beach, but only by playing in the sand, playing in the waves, and being at the beach would you have all the characteristics and even the sand and grittiness on their faces and their arms from being at the beach. And many of you know what that's like. Uh, which we try for hours to get that off of us sometimes after, after leaving the beach. But what God wants more than our hard work, what he wants more than our disciplined obedience is that when someone draws close to us, they can see, they can taste, and they can smell that we have been with God. There is something about the people of God, walking with God, obeying God, and living in relation, tight relationship and close relationship with God that will have an effect on people who we come in contact with each and every day. And so as we live our relationship with God, as we grow in our relationship with God, as we allow his spirit to be in us and move in us and work through us in practical everyday ways, can people see God in us? Can they taste God? Can they smell God in us? And can we see that we have a relationship with God that means everything to us? 
a relationship not based on the old covenant of rules and guidelines, but a relationship based on the new covenant. Again, a relationship based on the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you will join me and many others next Sunday as our choir and others will walk us through both musically and through a monologue of what it means to know Christ and to follow Christ, what, it, what Christ did for us, the sacrifice that he paid for us. And I hope that you will invite others to be a part of that very special service next Sunday. And then join us on Easter and go ahead and invite others. Let that, that taste, smell, and, 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 and let that, let that uh, presence of God in your life lead you to invite others to be a part of our Easter Sunday service. I'll be preaching a sermon called, He Still Moves Stones. And he can take those things that seem impossible for medical doctors or anybody else to deal with, but God can take those things that are most difficult and begin to work miracles. Let me ask you a question as we close this morning. Can others taste and see and smell and sense God's presence in your life? Have you come to a time in your life when you've committed your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, when you said, you know what, I realize that I'm a sinner, I've messed up. I do it every day, I do it all the time, but I need God to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and, and uh, to redeem me. Or maybe you're a believer and just for some time now, you just have been kind of doing your own thing and pursuing your own path. And maybe that relationship with, with Christ needs to be renewed, needs to be refreshed. We're gonna stand and sing, a, 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 I say a hymn, but more of a, a little chorus. It's, um, it's called, Change My Heart, O God. We can let that be our prayer from our, from our pew, but if you would desire to make a public profession or a public decision or just simply desire to pray at the altar, I invite you to come and I would be glad to receive you and talk with you. If you desire church membership, here at Boiling Springs Baptist. I would love to talk with you more about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. We'll sing it through at least twice. Um, if there's a need, we'll sing it again. But I think at least after the first time, it will become more familiar to you.